guys, welcome back to Strip by Sia. I cannot believe I am finally recording this long-awaited bonus episode. It is an AMA or an Ask Me Anything episode as I've received so many questions throughout season one and I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll uh, address it in a bonus episode but never really got around to it. Since we are still in quarantine, I have taken the liberty to finally record that episode, I guess technically 34 episodes in, so this is technically episode 35. (laughs) So I really apologize for the long wait, but um, there were a lot of questions that flooded in, so I had to kind of conceptualize and really kind of break it down into sections because it's, it's quite long so I'm gonna do my best uh, I don't want to be talking on for an hour but I think it will probably be an hour or so because there's just a lot of ground to cover so um, thank you so much for all of your questions and um, just your cur- overall curiosity I want to say in terms of providing me with the fuel for this entire episode so hopefully you guys enjoy it but um yeah I guess I'll kind of get started this is super weird but um yeah (laughs) I guess we'll start so again um my name is Steph Steph Sia Kimchi uh (laughs) I go by a bunch of different names I realized I didn't even introduce myself earlier (laughs) in the intro of the episode but um I'm a few things so I'm a bit of a workaholic I or I was a workaholic I am now fun employed thanks to COVID-19 <laughs> I used to work uh, corporate life so I used to work in an office uh, but then got laid off because of COVID-19 I used to also serve at a hotel uh, restaurant lounge in downtown Vancouver I used to be a pole dance instructor again also not practicing that or teaching at the moment just because I don't have a pool in my house I don't have access to any studios no studios are open and whatnot so I'm greatly suffering because of that and because I don't have a pool and because nothing is open I am also no longer able to perform because I'm also an exotic dancer (laughs) and I'm not sure like when I'm gonna have to retire that last title but it's because I haven't been booked basically since like the end of July which is when I was last booked which is when I started the podcast (laughs) so it's been a long time I've had some trouble with the agencies but we won't really go into that because it is very mundane but again I had uh, three other jobs at the time so I was quite busy I had really long days 8 a.m basically to 10 p.m at night is a typical day Uh, amongst doing this podcast and my other creative outlets and activities so that's kind of me in a nutshell and that kind of gives some groundwork for the rest of this episode because I had a lot of questions just asking me what my story was where I came from what did I do before this but it's not really what I did before this because I was always doing the podcast (laughs) in unison or alongside all of my other gigs so that's kind of some groundwork (laughs) for who I am or who I was in my former pre-quarantine life. So I guess, yeah, working in corporate nine to five, I'd have been, I have been working corporate life basically since 2013. Yes, 2013 is when I got my first 
quote unquote corporate job, aka nine to five. I started off as a marketing coordinator for this lighting company and short story for that whole thing. Cause that's, that's like a whole topic in and of itself. Basically one of my regulars at my hotel job, I became romantically involved with, and he was the president of the company that he hired me for. <laughs> and long story short, he was American. He lived in Nashville. I lived here. It's taboo to do that kind of stuff. And, and not just because, you know, dating in the workplace, you know, you're not supposed to do that. He was a president and I was a marketing coordinator. So that's obviously, I was a subordinate. That's obviously not allowed. He was also 24 years older than me. I was 24 at the time. 24? Yeah, 24, 23. <laughs> so I was a baby. And um, and I promise I'm not just rambling right now. This part of the story is important, which we'll kind of go into later parts of the story end of this episode. So I'm not just rambling, I promise. <laughs> I couldn't even listen to the last episode. Like I listened to all my episodes, but I, I didn't even listen to the whole thing of the last bonus one because I cannot stand listening to my voice fully for an hour. Anyway, sidebar. So back to, um, his name was Christopher, so, or Chris. So we started dating. People in my company found out about that. It was not a good ending. Yeah, it was it was not very, very good at all. That relationship taught me a lot and also introduced me to a lot of things, too. And I feel like I'm going to be bouncing around because I've kind of written out some notes for this episode because there's just a lot of things happening here. He basically he took a chance on me. I was working at the hotel for a number of years and I still am currently part time working there. But basically he knew because obviously you talk with your regulars Anyone in a serving job can relate to this. We talk to our regulars. We like share everything with them. And he's like, oh, I know like you really want out of this job. Like my my company is hiring. Like I don't know you personally, but I'm like from our conversations, I know that you are very smart and intelligent. And why don't you just um, submit your resume to me and we'll go from there. And I did. And I was like, okay, sweet. Like I don't know nothing about the lighting industry. I don't know anything about marketing really. I was just really big into social media and Twitter at the time and my admin skills are pretty good. So I was like, okay, cool. Like this will be great. Um, I'll have some good interviewing experience and gives me a chance to kind of like brush up my resume and whatnot. So as luck may have had it, I got hired for the job, surprisingly. And it was my first foray into the corporate world. I did not last very long because, again, people found out about our relationship. It was not very good. And basically, I had another job after that. And then I landed my job at Kiwi Collection, which is a luxury travel agency. This is about four to four and a half years ago now, working in Gastown. And that was the job that enabled me to travel a lot. So if you guys have been following me for a while, you'll know like, my God, how does that girl travel all the time? No, I was not funded by any sugar daddies at the time. No, it was all free. So yeah, like basically Kiwi Collection was a company that I worked for for a very long time. I was the office manager there and we got free uh, hotel accommodations at these beautiful, luxurious um, five-star and like five-plus star hotels all around the world. So because my accommodation was 
accommodated for, I didn't really have much to spend because obviously nightly hotel rates are very expensive. But since I had that out of out of the way, I was able to like kind of justify, hey, I can travel a lot with this and I'm going to take advantage of this while I have this job. And I took full advantage uh, pretty much and traveled the world with that. Glad I did that. <laughs> really missing that discount <laughs> right now. But it's not like we can travel right now anyways. But anyways, I started working in Gastown. So if you're not from Vancouver, Gastown's a really cool, trendy area. It's one of the oldest parts of the city cobblestone steps everywhere we've got our like classic steam clock over there too lots of great bars nightclubs and stuff around the area um across the street from my office was tantra fitness which is an amazing pole dancing studio that is where i used to teach dance that is kind of where i got started with whole the whole dancing pole dancing part of my life which obviously has become a huge part of my life missing it dearly but I remember I was using ClassPass so ClassPass is an app that you can download and kind of gives you all access to participating studios around the city um, and also amongst the U.S. Australia and other parts of the world and I had always wanted to try pole dancing but like since university, I had heard of it, but I, it was really expensive. And, you know, being a student and working your like minimum wage job and working in retail and stuff, like it's expensive. It was over a hundred bucks a month. And to me, like even with the student discount, it wasn't enough to justify it at all. So and plus I was like living in Burnaby at my parents' place and whatnot. And then also Coquitlam and then Richmond. But anyways, it just didn't make sense for me at the time, but I was like, ooh, yay, it's on ClassPass. I finally get to try this out. I'm super stoked about it. And I remember signing up for an Erotica 1. It was labeled Erotica 1. So I, w- I thought it was, okay, 1 equals beginner, must be. And I was able to sign for the class. They didn't have any prerequisites. It was a lunchtime class. I was looking for something that was kind of low intensity because I didn't want to sweat too much. Because I didn't, like, I loved working out during my lunch breaks, but I didn't like coming back a sweaty mess or, like, in a pool of sweat. It just was not uncomfortable. It was it was not comfortable. And I just wanted something that's, like, you know, minimal sweating, but also I want to be able to move and, like, learn what this is all about. So I signed up for this erotica level one class, not knowing what it exactly was. I had signed up and... I remember in the requirements, it's like, oh, no dance experience necessary. And uh, heels are definitely encouraged for the class, not mandatory, but definitely encouraged. So I was like, okay, okay, cool. Like, I'm just across the street. It'll be like less than five minutes for me to get there. I just walk into Tantra Fitness in my little office heels, like little lame office heels. like cringing at this like my own like vision of this because I remember it so clearly and I was like hey I'm just gonna sign in for erotica one and I'm wearing like some leggings and like a, a loose top and a sports bra okay and I walk into class and everyone is like eight foot tall with their eight inch heels wearing pretty much lingerie and the first thing that comes into my mind was like oh my god I'm in a room full of strippers 
what am I doing here? I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And I was just totally, totally scared. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> but then I, I took the class and it was with um, Phoenix Rose, who was a guest on the show. I believe that was episode 12 or 10 or something. But she was the one who kind of like sparked my whole interest. Her class was so good. And I, I remember we were in class and we were doing like shoulder rolls and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where my legs are going. But I didn't struggle. I mean, I struggled. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I struggled. I don't really have a lot of formal dance training at all. So, but I loved it so much. The fact that she she was able to make me feel super comfortable and also I just loved what my body can do it was super fun and empowering and just like whoa light bulb going off like what is this this is super cool like I gotta get in touch with my own like sensuality and my body and make this cool movement yeah sign me up again and and I did, and I just kept coming back, coming back on ClassPass until I finally took the plunge a few months later and signed up for like a full-on membership and like quit my, like I canceled my Steve Nash membership because it was awful. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got started. And honestly, it was only a floor work class, guys. It was nothing to do with the pool no pull at all it was just you your your body the wall and the floor and I loved that just that I can make this cool movement without having a pull even though I wanted to try pole dancing I didn't try pole dancing until about March of the following year so I think that was March 2016 is when I actually started taking an intro to pole dancing class and that was with Alex who I really really miss <laughs> she was a great instructor but I tried pole dancing and I actually hated it. I hated it. The intro to pole classes are extremely popular. They're super full. But because they're so full, like, you, you have to, like, share a pole. And, you know, there's just so many people. I'm kind of self-conscious. I was like, oh, my God. Like, that girl's getting it. I'm not getting it. I look stupid doing this. I don't know anyone here. And just feeling super self-conscious and just by myself. So I took a break and I was like, nah, I don't know if I want to do this. But then I started taking like pull 101 and like pull 202 and stuff with Mallory, amazing instructor as well, who then let us know, I think it was, when was this now? May 2016, so a few months later. And I think I was in pull 202 or something, which is like the second level technically. Um, Mallory was like, oh, there is a pole dancing competition coming in November called PSO northwest and it's going to be in seattle and it's saturday and sunday it's a great great competition especially if you're a beginner you know there's no requirements no audition tapes nothing you sign up you get to perform and you get to have your moment and she encouraged us to apply or inquire so i did and i didn't know what i was doing but it was nice to kind of have a goal like something to work towards I'm a, very, I'm a very goal-oriented person, so to me, having a kind of end goal to me meant a lot more, and it kind of motivated me more to to work harder, get these skills, get these tricks, get this technique down, and kind of navigate and try to create my own choreography. So 
I did sign up and I started taking regular exotic dance classes and stuff like that as well. So at the same time, this, yeah, this competition was in November and I hadn't performed on stage in a very long time. So I do have a sports background. I used to compete in wrestling in high school. So I was doing competitive wrestling for five years, so grade 8 to 12. When I got to university, I did burlesque for a year, which was fun. But then I did competitive cheerleading for about three and a half years. So yes, what you see on the show, cheer or anything like that, tumbling, all the stuff. Uh, Well, no, that's a lie. I don't tumble. (laughs) I was just part of the base group and I was really strong but it had been a long time since I had found something um, a sport that I really enjoyed and I hadn't been on stage since my last cheerleading competition which is probably 2011 or 2012 so some time had passed I just wasn't able to find a sport that I really connected with and when I found pole dancing I was like okay this is gonna be my next thing I just I can feel it I really like what I'm doing but because I had no stage experience in a while I was just like fuck I gotta get these jitters off my back as soon as possible and I remember my girlfriend Danielle telling me because I think her friend used to be a DJ at the Granville Strip and she had mentioned hey they're doing an amateur night at the Granville Strip you should do it and see if you win something and I was like oh yeah girl I got this and I mean, I didn't really have that much confidence back then, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I remember she came with me to the club <laughs> and I think she was pretty new at that time too at the restaurant, <laughs> but I went and I was there by myself and I was like, how do I sign up for this amateur night? I didn't even like, I brought like my little heels and stuff and I was just so nervous. I just remember seeing one of her friends go up. I think it was, I think it was Isabel Reese who went on stage. And I just remember her looking so freaking crazy. They're doing all these inversions. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I don't know what's happening here. (laughs) And I actually backed out. I was like, sorry, no, I can't do this. I'm, this is so fucking crazy. No, I don't want to do this but then I remember seeing uh, a girl from the audience actually just be like I want to try it out I want to go and I just remember seeing her just not knowing any pole tricks and she was just having so much fun and I was like okay no I want to try this so I re-signed up and it was the last one to go on and my other my ex-boyfriend came and his friends and stuff <laughs> and and I kept doing the same like tilt a whirl move over and over again and <laughs> I'm sure it looked awful but it really helped get the nerves out as I had suspected so with that I was like okay are there any other amateur nights out there and I remember hearing about amateur night at the penthouse and Samantha Mack (laughs) will remember me for this because like didn't she she's like didn't you do like a hundred of these I'm like yes I did almost every single amateur night until I won one so I think I did that for like almost a year because I loved loved being on stage I loved dancing I loved performing in front of a crowd and I loved being naked I found out this new like exhibitionist well it's not new I've I feel like I've always been an exhibitionist but that's another story for another day um but 
I remember just getting on stage and just loving it, loving being naked, loving all the stuff. But then I didn't want to have this title as, you know, I'm a stripper because at the at the time the agency kept like offering me a job, offering me a job, and I was like, no, sorry, no, sorry, I don't want to take that leap. I'm working in corporate. I have a job. I can't travel out for work and stuff. I just can't sorry so for me my little bubble and my little world it would be that once a month last Thursday of every month at the penthouse would be amateur night and that would be my night to have fun and strip and then it wasn't until Brandy's had their amateur night and this was August a couple years ago and I didn't know they had an amateur night but my girlfriend Asia who's on episode two told me about it and I was eating ramen with my friend she's like oh there's like a amateur night at brandy's tonight and i was like wait what the fuck are you serious and like brandy's i love that club so much fun and i was like oh my god i have to do this so i signed up did the competition won the competition at brandy's and i talked with the old agent at the time and he's like you have to work with us you can't say no And then it was like, okay, I'll work with you guys, but I only want to work downtown. I only want to work at, you know, Penthouse or Number 5 or Brandy's and that's it. I'm not going to Siri. I'm not going to Fort St. John. I'm not going to Prince George. I'm not going anywhere. I can't. And he's just like, okay. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So that's kind of how I got started into stripping and... Yeah, I've, I've had a few really good weeks and I say a few because I, I am very, it's very, very rare for when I strip, <laughs> but when I do, I put on a fucking good show. So that's kind of how I got started and it's not a stereotypical way of getting started in terms of the stripping world in British Columbia, but that's just my own really lucky, unique kind of story in terms of how I got started because a lot of people ask me and I have explained the story a couple times on the show but that is like the full-on detail on how I got started with stripping and I bring up the last time I was uh booked at the club so I was booked at the penthouse and this was when the last week of July or the beginning of August of last year 2019 and I remember a client mentioning hey like stripper culture is really freaking cool like all you guys have tons of followers and like such a huge you know fan base and whatnot and I was like what tell me more about this like what do you mean by that and he just mentioned it's cool like you guys all have very very different stories you guys all come from somewhere you guys all have a story to share And this is when it kind of sparked my mind, like, I need to start a podcast on this. And this is at the time where I was, like, really wanting to make this happen. It was on my list of goals that I wanted to reach last year in 2019. Um, I had a couple other ideas and concepts for podcasts. I had an idea before that I wanted to do a podcast with two of my girlfriends, And we're all in very, very different industries. One's an actor. One's another actor as well, too, actually. Um, We're all working in the restaurant industry at the time. And I was stripping. And we're like, oh, it'd be so cool if we had, like, our chats and whatnot. And, you know, that would be a cool idea. But I was like, okay, well, how many more podcasts do we need of, like, girls bitching about things and about, like, telling us about their lives? It's just mundane. It's an idea that's already been done and keeps being done over and over again. And I was like, I don't really need to contribute to 
another huge pool of that. Nothing wrong with that. There, I listen to a lot of great, you know, all girl female podcasts that do do that. But um, I just with our schedules, it would have just been impossible. And then another idea that I want to do, because if you have been following me, you'll know that I'm a huge food and wine and like cocktail nerd, pretty much. I'm obsessed with anything to do with food and I want to do a podcast on uh, restaurateurs in our city, different foods and different food trends and whatnot, because I do have a lot of friends in the industry. And of course, being in the hospitality industry, I obviously have a lot of connections But then I had soon found out that that idea already was taken in my own town of Vancouver um, by the name of Track and Food Podcast, which I love, 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 love that podcast. I'm a huge fan. So I was like, I'm not going to try and compete with that. I'm just going to let them do their thing. And they're doing such a great job. And I was like, nope, that's not going to work. So when this idea came out, with the whole stripper podcast I thought this would be really interesting and I really wanted it to mimic or not mimic but like I really wanted it to be well done I am a huge podcast nerd I've been listening to podcasts a lot I would say more heavily in 2018 and 2019 um, so I guess I'm kind of late to the game but I think it's a great outlet it's a really good channel and a really great way and a really cool medium that you can learn so many cool things on so for me because I started listening to podcasts mainly for companionship for when I did a lot of those trips um, traveling around the world solo um, when you know you're on the plane or something or if you're on a long bus ride you just kind of want to listen to something but for me I always I don't like dead time at all so I want to always constantly be learning so that's why I started listening to it and also when I was hating my office job in 2019 all I would do is want to drown people out I didn't want to talk to anyone I was super antisocial and depressed at work that all I would do was would be to listen to podcasts all day like literally for my entire eight-hour shift so it was kind of um that was kind of my way of getting into the podcast scene and I am a heavy podcast listener so I listen to podcasts like how I built this girls gotta eat guys we fucked be there in five racist sandwich uh no chaser like these are a bunch of podcasts that I listen to as well as like a whole bunch of true crime podcasts like to live and die in LA um what else was there really cool investigative journalism the R. Kelly one was really interesting. The Dropout I loved. The one about Anna Delvey. There's a new Cutthroat Inc. that I listened to as well. There's like a whole bunch. And, and I just listen and listen and binge and binge and binge. And I just love podcasts. And so when I was starting mine, I was like, okay, well, I listen to enough. I know exactly what I want it to sound like. I know kind of what the structure is going to be and what I want to do. So... I kind of modeled it after all of my favorite podcasts and took my favorite features out of those and made my own. And yeah, it was just, I had that idea at the end of July slash beginning of August and then I launched it in September. So during that time, because I have been getting a lot of questions on how to start a podcast and whatnot, I just thought I'd kind of do a quick uh, shimmy over the process of it. So I had this idea, it was a niche idea, it was unique. And I want to say unique in a sense because, yes, there are a lot of dancer podcasts out there, but they all have different angles. And the ones that I 
have listened to it's a lot of like the hustle and tips and how to become a better hustler and whatnot in that kind of aspect or just like really candid stories about times at the club or like sound bites which I think is super cool and or just like chit-chatting and kind of like office banter but for strippers for me I really want it to be informative I really wanted people to learn and I really want to have the whole educative aspect to be on the forefront so for me my aim and I already knew what my aim was what it was going to be about I really wanted it to be about strippers and sex workers and to destigmatize the industry like kind of one story at a time and just having people have this platform where they can speak on without any kind of barrier or um what do you call it any kind of barrier or like what the fuck is that word or censorship I I just wanted them to be free and to tell their story in their own words so it was very 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 focused and I knew like with the cover art I knew exactly what I wanted I had a photographer work with me on this photo and I remember falling in love with this photo yes it is my butt and my legs on the cover of strip by Sia that's me and I knew with the name as well I really wanted it to be on point with my own branding with the rest of my other projects so Sia is my last name um, it's my last name. It's not my first name, guys. <laughs> I think a lot of people think it's my first name and I love it. I just, I'm never changing my name. I love it so much. But yeah, like I really wanted it to be on point on brand. And I chose the word stripped because it's like you're on undressing a topic, you're uncovering a topic, you're getting it stripped down to its bare bones. So that um, to me, like it was all like a vision and it all came so strongly to me. So that I already had Audacity, which is the, the editing software that I use because as a competitive pole dancer, I have to cut my own music. So I already kind of knew how to do that. It's free. It's easy to use. And then the last thing I think for me was getting a good mic. And because I have such a loyal fan base, one of my followers got me the mic. Thank you so much, E. Thank you if you're listening to this. He got me the Blue Yeti mic and I, I did my research and this seemed to be the most reasonably priced mic on the market because I didn't want to spend so much money because I didn't really know what where this was going to go and I was like, oh, it's just going to be a few episodes. I'm just kind of kind of roll with it and see what happens and now look. <laughs> but it's been good. And then lastly, the music. Sorry, lastly, lastly, the music for the podcast is by a friend of mine who I've never met in person but my friend who's a DJ recommended DJ Ted D to me and I was like hey listen I'm gonna be working on this project this is kind of what I want the sound to um, be like and I gave him an example and he sent me something real quick and it was like what exactly it's the soundbite that you guys hear and it was just like spot on I remember it was the night it was the night of the um, Brandy's, uh, no, where was I? I was dancing somewhere and I remember hearing the soundbite for 
the music of the show and I was like this is exactly what I fucking want it's spot on I was just like dancing and I have gotten a lot of comments on that so get get at uh, Ted D he's an amazing composer and producer and yeah that's pretty much how I got started and and basically after that finding a, po- a podcast host I use Anchor, as you guys hear now. I'm sponsored by Anchor, so you'll hear their ad at the beginning of every episode, but they are free. They're easy to use. Get a bunch of distribution with them, too, which is super easy. And it made it really, really, really simple. So that's pretty much how I got started, guys. It was pretty easy, like, with all those steps. But yeah, just have a focused idea. Know exactly what you want to do. Know your niche. Niche, 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 niche. And um, yeah, just make sure you, I don't know, make sure you add value to whatever it is that you do in terms of a podcast. I I put a lot of thought into mine, so I don't know. I'm really proud of it and really passionate about it. And I would say that it kind of shows because I'm really surprised that it's gotten me this far <laughs> and it's reached all parts of the world, which I find to be really fascinating. So thank you. <laughs> Um, The other half of this episode is all going to go into sugaring since that was a really, really, really big topic and there was a bunch of questions that came in in regards to sugaring and ah, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) Uh, It seems like such a long time ago, but also still very current. So um, I guess I'll just kind of dive into it. Um, Yeah, I'm going to be fully transparent about everything. But yeah, it basically got started in sugaring around 2013 to 2014 ish. So this is when Chris, my ex, the one that was like double my age, and he worked at that lighting company. He's a president, blah blah blah. And basically, he got fired from the job because people at my office they found out about us dating and stuff. And long story short, yeah, he got fired and that was how he broke up he basically just told me I won't be coming to Vancouver anymore um this is the last time you're gonna see me and that was that we didn't address a relationship we didn't address anything I was just like why I was super confused and devastated because I had basically quit my job for this guy I had broken up with an amazing boyfriend at the time too to be with him I moved out of that house to be with this guy too even though he lived in Nashville I hadn't found my own place and just a lot of shit happened and I was trying to get over that breakup and I had to move in with a friend thank you Jessica (laughs) who was there for me the one time I ever had a roommate um she was like oh why don't you try sugaring and I was like what's that and she was like oh like my other friend does it um you should try it I know you like older guys you should try this. You can get paid to go on dates with older dudes and they can buy you things. They give you an allowance and blah, blah, blah. And she told me about seeking arrangement. She she wasn't doing it. She, it wasn't her thing. But she told me, introduced me to the idea of it. And I was like, oh, this sounds amazing. And this is the time where Tinder was really blowing up too. And I was like going on a lot of dates to try to get my confidence level back up to receive some sort of validation from men. All the things, all the dumb things that you do when you're in your 20s, right? So, (laughs) but I looked into it. I signed up and created a profile. And then all the messages started coming in. I got the ego boost I needed. 
And I started going on dates, like literally every single day. I remember it was April of 2014. April of 2014, I did not spend anything on groceries at all. I went out every single night for dinner, sometimes like twice on on the weekends and stuff too. And it was wild. I was like, what is this life? Like, I'm getting paid to do this. This is awesome. Like, I wish I had started earlier, all this stuff. So it was a brand new world to me and I was super intrigued. And also I was kind of experimenting as well because I was like, well, I know what the site's about and I know people want to sleep with me. I don't really want to do that. So my challenge was to try to whip as many guys. (laughs) God, it sounds so evil. I'm a really nice person, (laughs) but I'm also smart. So I was like, I'm going to try to see how many guys I can whip around my little finger and have, you know, a platonic relationship with. (laughs) because I learned very quickly that there are a lot of people that just want to sleep with you and don't want to pay you anything on the site that's what they don't tell you when they sign up so to me it was a challenge like for myself again goal oriented that I was like okay like I know that there are a lot of different guys on the site and at the same time this is a long time ago I had a blog I've been blogging for a long time but I had a blog dedicated to my trials and tribulations when sugaring. <laughs> I wish that vlog was still live. I would read it. It was called Rain City Chasing. <laughs> and um, I used to document all the dates that I went on, all the dinners I went to, how much money and I got and stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun. And I remember some of the articles I wrote for that blog was that I would kind of throw into different categories the guys I would meet in the site so it would be very wealthy guys that you know they have this much money and they can do whatever the fuck they want because they can and then I also have old guys and most of these guys were like late 40s early 50s and a lot of them are either yes as I said they just have so much money don't know what to do with it kind of thing another category would be like they have a lot of money, but they don't have time. So a lot of lawyers, a lot of doctors, physiotherapists, physicians, and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, lots of lawyers. Lots of lawyers, holy crap, would be in that category. And then there was also categories that were more so they were looking for companionship. And I, I felt that a lot. Like I, I feel like it's a lot of career oriented individuals who have just spent all their life building their career and that's why they're super loaded and have a lot of money but they don't have a connection with anybody they're wanting some kind of companionship they're really lonely so that was another kind of category I had found in that website as well and then lastly people that want a relationship and then last lastly a lot of fake people and like what we used to call back in the day salt daddies Uh, and scammers and fake people so those are the kind of categories that I had discovered during my time in the sugar bowl that's what we used to call it the sugar bowl (laughs) and (laughs) love that who invented that but it was um really really interesting and a lot of fun and I had a lot of great sugar daddies during those days have so many great stories I would love to tell you all of them the amount of money I made it was 
awesome. It was such a great time and I would definitely repeat that again if I were to start my life all over again. Just be less stupid because there is a lot of danger in that as well. So well in terms of dangerous just like precautions because as I said there are fake people. There are a lot of people that don't want to pay money for you for your service for anything and they exist (laughs) they exist guys and there's a lot of filtering to do on the website people just think oh I'm gonna sign up for a seeking arrangement I'm just gonna land a sugar daddy and it's very naive to think about or think that it's gonna happen like that it's it's not it's a lot of going through messages going through all these copy and paste messages that these guys will send you there's a lot of fake things you know if this sounds too good to be true it probably is too good to be true because it's probably fake and the guy's lying to you there are a lot of um sincere people out there too that will be very upfront which you know if you're new to the site maybe it's a bit like alarming to talk in such transactional terms but that's honestly the best way is to have kind of clear communication when you're negotiating your salary um but yeah there's also a lot of nourishing as well and I kind of mentioned this in my last bonus episode too sort of nourishing those relationships and really maintaining it because it is a it is a relationship it is an arrangement and you want to treat it as so and sometimes people are just so into their hustle and so into just getting the money you know I get it. I get it. It's sex work and it's work. But things and money just, money just does not fall on trees. No, what's the saying? Money does not grow on trees. So it's not going to be easy. I have had some easy ones on there, like, but they are a dime and a dozen. So it's, it can be kind of rare so you just kind of have to be patient if you really want to find something that's long lasting back then back in like 2014 it was a lot different than what it is like today um the last time I logged in was in January was when I was traveling in Europe because I was like for shits and giggles I'm gonna log on and see if the sugar daddy scenes like in Europe <laughs> who wants a 30 year old sugar baby because that's me I'm 30 but back then 2014 what was I 25 this was five six years ago yeah I was like 20 just turned 25 and even then that's still kind of like quote-unquote old to be in the sugar bowl because everyone's like in college like I remember like Seeking arrangement, having a campaign on, you know, if you have a .edu email address, we'll give you a premium account and stuff like that. So they're definitely aiming for girls that are super young, but there's always something out there for everyone. So what I'm saying is that even if you're 30, there's going to be someone that wants someone that's like 30 years old because sometimes these girls are way too young for them. Quote, that's a direct quote from a number of sugar daddies I've spoken to lately. But anyways, it's very different. And also, I was really different at 25 too. Like, wow, huge difference. Huge difference in terms of maturity level and how naive I was and how stupid I was and just seeing dollar signs and having that being a motivator so much and almost like blinding me because I would want the money so bad sometimes but then 
it just wouldn't be a good outcome. You know, people would be like, oh, can you do this for this? And I'm just really at that time trying to kind of outweigh the two, the pros and the cons to be like, okay, is this actually worth it? And then if I pose myself to the same kind of question, the answer like now, the answer now would be a straight up fuck that because now I know my value and now I have confidence in myself and I know what I'm worth as opposed to my 25 year old self when I started seeking arrangement. I didn't know how really that site operated that much and I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning just a lot of it like being a waste of time and and sleeping with people practically for free sorry having people sleep with me practically for free and that really not being good for me at all so there is good and bad and oftentimes it is glamorized a lot I was also in this stupid reality show I get called stupid now because I'm not bound by any contract anymore but I was on a stupid reality show and if you're in Vancouver you probably would have seen it if you're in the sugar sugar world you would have been exposed to it it was called sponsored divas it's really stupid (laughs) I'm so bitter sponsored divas and it was a reality show trailer that centered around a few of us sugar babies quote-unquote sugar babies and but I want to say that was like the only real one on the show everyone else was kind of fake but eh, that's just me (laughs) and um it was a good concept but I was friends with the producer one of the producers and I just thought it would be taken in a way where it could have been educative and it just wasn't it was just creative because it was buzzworthy it was trendy at the time you know it'll attract a lot of hits on YouTube and stuff and unfortunately it just didn't really go anywhere and the message was lost there was a whole lot of stuff that we had said in the video that didn't really make the final cut and it just made us look like stupid hoes so I really didn't like it for the aspect but I had a lot of people reaching out to me via Instagram and Facebook and stuff just to ask me on their help and how to get started with their profile so at least I was able to reach out to those people but to a lot of Vancouver and whoever watched that if you look at the comments they're just like wow these are dumbass hoes like they don't have any brain they just want to suck like some old dry wrinkly balls and stuff and make a thousand dollars and what the fuck is wrong with that but anyways anyways another another topic for another time but the show glamorized the sugar world and sugaring and making it look super easy when it's it's work and a lot of people forget that so it's just like with anything you have to do it properly so I guess some tips some people were asking me tips on how to get started I use seeking arrangement there are other websites too but for me seeking arrangement was the one that worked best for me and even recently in January still has worked well for me just writing a strong profile having some nice strong pictures you know something that shows your full body your face if you want in your private photos having some kind of incentive there outlining exactly what it is you want it just kind of helps filter out those people that will you know try and waste your time or try to negotiate with you for something lower safety and precautions as I said earlier just having your head screwed on and not being naive at the whole thing is really key (laughs) 
again, there's a lot of people that want to screw you literally and figuratively on the site. So you just have to be careful. Just do a background check on everyone that you talk to. If you plan to meet up with them, meet them in a nice public area, like a hotel lobby. Well, you can't even meet anyone right now anyways. But <laughs> when things open up again, do that. Um, have some kind of encrypted software where you can chat with them. I like to use Telegraph um, or Kick. Um, those are my my preferred methods of communicating at least because it's protected and encrypted. And just being smart when you're negotiating your arrangement, just, just being sure in knowing what your value is, what you're valued at, and what it is that you want. I feel like a lot of girls will get on the site and will be like, okay, I want a pair of Louboutins and I want like classic Chanel bag and whatnot. But like having some kind of monetary goal or monetary range would help and exactly what you would want in your relationship like are you looking for a monthly allowance is that going to be bi-weekly is that going to be weekly is this going to be a pay per per date kind of thing really think about it in those business-minded terms and I feel like you will be a lot more successful instead of having it to be super general and like oh I want this well when do you want this how will I get that? What will I get in return? Ask yourself those questions. It's really, really, really important. And and I kind of mentioned this in the last podcast episode too. I don't know. Being nice always helped me get places in terms of like gaining loyalty, gaining trust, gaining great sugar daddies, and just fans in general, this is applicable to not just sugaring, but also your OnlyFans, your Instagram followers, anything really. Just, I don't know, being nice got me to a lot of places, got me a lot of great loyal fans that have funded my wish list, have funded my PayPal, have funded my OnlyFans like crazy, and have also promised a lot of great things for me. It's about nourishing those relationships and taking those relationships really seriously because you are dealing with people's time and sometimes some relationships will take and require more time but they can be a lot more fruitful in the long run so I mean I'm just talking on my own experience (laughs) I'm just talking about what has worked for me and being kind has always worked for me in the long run there's a lot of podcasts and like how-to guides and stuff that are very 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 transactional and very very money and money oriented and stuff too and yes that's really important but that is too aggressive of of an approach for me so I don't know people want to be respected and I don't know it's nice to kind of have the respect in return and give that respect as well so yeah, so that, oh God, I've been talking for almost an hour. Jesus Christ. And we haven't even gotten into the Q&A part yet. But let's let's get into the Q&A because there are a lot of questions and I want to address them all without taking up too much time. So I'm going to try to whiz by this because I hate, hate when I have to go over by too much time. But without further ado, let's get into the Q&A. Okay, so I'm going to kind of break this into a few different sections because, again, the questions are kind of all over the place as they came in. So the first round of questions is going to have to do with sex work. 
And then there's, there's a little bit in terms of podcasting and then sugaring again. We'll end with that because all the questions, all the questions for sugaring are just wild. <laughs> but thank you for, thank you for the questions. <laughs> so in terms of sex work, um, what is the extent of your sex work? Do you only strip? Have you ever received payment for sex? So a three-part question. So let's start to answer the first one. First one. So the extent of my sex work... Well, I'm an exotic dancer, so I strip. That is a yes for that. I was camming for a bit, then I figured out I didn't like it. I started that. I started trying out camming during quarantine, and it was fun and fruitful for the first week. And then I just got like really unmotivated. So maybe I'll try again. But I just it really felt like a job to me, and I don't want to feel like I'm in a job. You know, it's just there's no fun in that, right? So I didn't. I've kind of stopped doing the camming for now, but maybe if I feel exhibitionisty, then I'll go on cam. But I'd rather just go on cam on my OnlyFans because people will pay for that shit. So yeah, um, in terms of other kinds of sex work, some kink work. So I do, I do have a slave, <laughs> as you guys know in the last episode of season one. I do have a slave. He's my foot slave and also my personal slave. So we do a lot of role-playing um kind of kink work in terms of that i do make custom videos and people always ask me what are on those videos what to expect from your only fans there's a lot of artistic nudity on my only fans some erotic stuff but not a lot because it was very private to me doing that but i'm kind of like opening it up a bit more i'm getting more and more excited doing work like that so making lots of cool videos and cool people's fantasies come into life. That's what I consider as part of my work. And I think, and sugaring, obviously. I'm not really active in the sugar bowl anymore, but I do have a sugar daddy who is waiting for me in Italy, which we talk on a pretty regular basis. And he is like, as soon as the borders open up, you're coming to live with me in Italy for a month. So I'm like, okay. Well, he said forever, but I said a month. (laughs) That's the story. (laughs) We'll save that for later. But yeah, that's the extent of my sex work, I think. Like, do do I do anything else? What else do I do? Well, it's not sex work, but I guess kink work, selling my socks, selling my slippers, feet pics, degradation, humiliation, small penis humiliation, food crash. What else? What else? Oh, God, what else do I do? I think that's it for now. (laughs) I think that's it. Do I only strip? The answer is no, I do other things. And have you received payment for sex? Yes, I have. So, yeah. That's, I don't know, (laughs) fun. (laughs) What's wrong with getting paid for having sex? Something I love to do. Anyways, could you go into more detail about the many things you do with your foot slave? Does it ever get sexual? So two-part question two-part question yeah the many things that we that we do uh he likes to film and make videos he has a lot of videos (laughs) we've made quite a few videos as well so he likes to be lying on his back and having feet in, in his face on his face he likes being stomped he likes being uh trampled or walked on he likes having weight on his body so I do a lot of that kind of stuff I make him lick my shoes, clean my shoes, clean my feet. 
make him paint my toes. Again, feeding him food that has been stuck in my shoe all day or like stepping on food and then making him eat it. Foot rubs. What else? What else? God. Making marks on his back with my heels. I feel like a lot of this was covered in that last episode, episode 32. I'm a slave for you. So that, I guess, is mainly mainly the extent. A lot of, like, degradation and humiliation as well in terms of, like, language, which I think a lot of foot slaves enjoy. I've made a lot of humiliation videos, not just for my in-person foot slave, but I also have another foot slave that lives in Massachusetts who loves a lot of those humiliation kind of videos, like, you know, verbiage in terms of like, oh, I'm such a loser for liking feet. You're my foot bitch. And like, you should kiss the ground that I walk on and stuff like that. And it can get really mean too. I don't really, really want to go into the mean things, but I have participate in a lot of more meaner things as well but those are very very light and vanilla but you can find a lot of those (laughs) examples on Pornhub (laughs) because I did a lot of my research on Pornhub and the other part of that question is does it ever get sexual it doesn't get sexual for me because I am not turned on about this type of stuff but it does definitely turn him on I remember in one of the videos we made, and it's like, oh my God, do you have a boner? What the fuck? Like my feet turn you on. Ew, you're disgusting. And he did have a boner and I like stepped on it and he kind of likes it. So I just feed off the energy. I think for me, it's really exciting and I just love it when people are having fun and people are really, really enjoying themselves. And yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. I find a lot of enjoyment out of it. So keep it coming. (laughs) The trick to getting OnlyFans subscribers when you don't have an online sex worker account. So that part is tricky. Um, Yeah, if you don't have an online sex worker account, it is harder or it will be more challenging for you to get fans. That's why I don't have a sex worker account for me. It's just my personal account. I have other accounts for certain things and my other projects, but my personal account has the most amount of followers, has most reach, it has most potential. And I already have so many fans from all my other like shows that I do and stuff like that and my other ventures. So to me, it's it's doesn't matter to me. It doesn't really matter if you have a sex worker account unless you are deliberately wanting to separate those two worlds out. For me, everything is cohesive. And I think that's why a lot of people like who I am because they feel like they know who I am, too. And there's no separation there. What you see is what you get. But of course, I understand if it, if you want to be anonymous, if you want to keep that that veil over, keep those worlds separated, then I totally understand the need for having a separate sex worker account. But it will be a little more challenging unless you can drive traffic back to that and back to your OnlyFans and vice versa. I would definitely recommend getting on some other channels and other platforms as well. So if you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter. It's probably the most prolific place you can be where you can really express yourself there isn't a lot of censorship on there at all there's like full nudity and lots of fun stuff you can find in twitter but also getting a reddit account of course linking everything back to your instagram or wherever where else am i at i was on my free cams i'm on eband where else 
I just cross promote wherever I can and however I can basically maybe get some of your friends to promote you on their pages give give you a shout out on their stories give you a shout out on their OnlyFans just to kind of like help each other out so that would be my advice for you best sites and ways to advertise fetish services gosh yeah I guess it kind of goes with the last answer to the last question so Again, making yourself available on many different platforms will really help you gain more reach so and a lot more exposure. So as I said, like Reddit account helps, um, cam sites, Twitter, Instagram, if you have any other channels as well, anywhere you can kind of drive traffic, be on it. And but not just be on it and like you have an account and you post once a once a week, have an account and be consistent with your posts, everything. Like you want to be able to make a presence. You're trying to make a pulse online. So that's really important because a lot of people I see will just, you know, they sign up for an OnlyFans and they're like, why do I only have like two followers or two fans or whatever? I'm like, well, if you're not having consistent content, if you're not engaging in producing anything, no one will want to engage with you. So again, just trying to have that consistency and having something to say will help you in the long run um is only fans the best site for selling pics uh, or videos or is there another that you'd suggest only fans is great because it's all in u.s dollars <laughs> yay it works well for us canadians um but it's not the only way and not the only type or platform i would say it's not the only platform out there um for me i found like a lot of new fans on my free cam so when I did do that stint for camming um like for a week and a half I got a bunch of new people on there I do private Skype shows as well a lot of people from my free cams um have requested Skype shows on there as well I have a PayPal account so if any of my followers on Instagram don't want to subscribe to my OnlyFans but why wouldn't you I just ask them to PayPal me my customized dollar amount or whatever it is that I am selling and I get them to PayPal me so I get that money directly and quickly and as fast as possible. Some of my other fans have my email for e-transfers as well. I think that is mainly where I get most of my money. Oh yeah, eBand.net in terms of like selling your stuff where people can like auction your socks and slippers and shoes and whatever underwear <laughs> that you want online. Uh, that's another place if you're interested in doing that and you have people that want to buy your stuff, that is the place to go. So that's one other place. And yeah, I don't know. Keep those DMs open. <laughs> my DMs are open and people definitely send money to my PayPal. So when they want something, it's just easy that way. So yeah, those are the methods that I use that have been successful for me might not be for everyone but that's what works for me and I've been doing this for quite a few years now so yeah I would say it's rather successful Uh, what kind of self-care routines do you have to deal with the draining aspect of sex work Uh, I like to vacation a lot or at least I like I used to like to vacation a lot I used to get away every month so it is very draining especially mentally I definitely have my days where I hate men and I hate what I'm doing and I feel like why am I doing this to myself sometimes and those days are very rare but like I do have days or weeks where I'm just like 
when one of my regulars is talking to me on like talks me in telegraph sometimes and we have these sexy chats but sometimes I just don't want to role play and I just don't want to be in that mood where like he's talking down to me and being misogynistic but that's just part of the role that we're playing sometimes I'm just not in the mood and I just need to take a break from that I just tried to throw away my phone (laughs) for like an hour and that's really really hard that taking a bath is really really helpful for me because I'm just really busy and I just need times where I cannot do anything else and I just need to stay put um I also like cocktails and wine (laughs) that helps me a lot as well and great food makes me happy so those are all like I don't really say I, I don't really have an actual routine I'm a really not a routine type of person I've only become kind of routine during this quarantine because I, I need things to do and I have like a checklist of things I need to check off for my day and honestly that to me is very cathartic and really helpful for me in terms of like staying on track and me feeling productive and me feeling like I have a purpose so for me that's kind of helpful just in how I operate and how I kind of like can bounce back so but yeah sometimes I just need to remove myself from the situation be like hey I don't want to talk to you right now or hey I don't really feel like doing this or just being unavailable so yeah those are the kind of things that that help me personally so uh, we do have one question in regards to podcasting so what do you do when a guest is boring or not really engaging? First of all, none of my guests are boring. I've literally loved every one of my guests. I've handpicked every one of my guests, um, except for a couple of few that people are like, hey, you should interview her. And I take recommendations very seriously. So, but yeah, no, I have a long list of people that I choose to be on my podcast. It's not just like, hey, let's, I want to be in your podcast. And I think that's really flattering. And I will take that into consideration. But I do have a list of people that I want to speak with, that I want to have on my show. Just because, like, I started off as an exotic dancer. And that's kind of my contribution to sex work, as well as sugaring, too. My show was very, like, stripper heavy. A lot of the guests on my show have been strippers and exotic dancers. And I love it. The community is great. I love everyone that I've met whether it's just been, I've been a long time fan or just love the work that they do or if people have been like hey got to you've got to interview like say Dora Cola and then I did <laughs> so but everyone is picked so no one is ever boring on my show everyone comes in with a certain topic and a certain focus for each episode so that's why it won't be like I, like I didn't want my podcast to be like okay two people like just rambling and like yes we ramble in some of the episodes for sure we get off topic we have our tangents that's fine that's natural but for me I really want to have some kind of focal point I want to have a central topic for each episode whether it's sexual abuse whether it's trans porn whether it's gay porn whether it's race whether it's you know sex work as such or as x you know like sex work there's so many different angles and there's so many different stories and I want to be able to adequately give someone their light and their platform and their voice to shine on my show so it's very curated it's not just like oh I'm just gonna pick this girl because I need someone to come on my show no it's not like that at all in fact like I had a whole bunch of people lined up 
from Calgary. I had another girl from Victoria. I had four strippers from not just all strippers, but people contributing to sex work in some way from Portland. That was being on my show. Uh, a couple of sex educators. So I had like a long list of people, but like I had an idea in mind and I have something that either they're really passionate about or something that I know about them that I think they would be an expert on that topic and bring them onto the show. So yes, no one has been boring, but not really engaging. I, I would say everyone's been engaging and I think it's just more like dealing with people's nerves. I've had a couple guests in the show that have been really nervous, but to me, it's just like a conversation. We're just having a chat. We just literally come sit in my living room at my dining table and there's a mic and it's my MacBook. That's my setup. It's really ghetto, but that's literally my setup. I don't have a fancy like mic. I don't have a fancy mic or anything like that. And I don't know. It's just really casual. And I'm just having a conversation. And a lot of times I don't know these people. A lot of my guests, more than half my guests, I don't know personally. And like the first time I met them was when they were sitting in my living room. So believe it or not, which is like kind of crazy, but (laughs) but yeah, I don't know. There's just something fun about like the live interview process. And another reason why like I chose to end season one, because obviously we can't meet anyone anymore at all because we're all like still practicing social distancing distancing right guys so yeah and there's just so much joy and just connecting with people in person and I think I have this sounds so lame and I don't want to toot my own horn but I think I have a kind of gift in terms of you know making people feel really comfortable and just being really nice and kind of bubbly and having that high energy that it would kind of compliment anyone that is kind of more low energy or you know nervous or anything like that or who is not engaging for whatever reason but I don't know I took a class because I studied criminology way back in the day in my undergrad and one of the courses for my field study was like we one aspect of this course that I had to take for anyone is I was going to do practicum was like an interview process and you had to like interviewed people and like have questions and you had to like learn how to empathize and all this stuff and I thought it was like most the biggest waste of time ever but it was four it was four credits and that was a lot back in the day and I was like I'm just gonna do it and I got an A and now I'm actually using those skills (laughs) in this podcast so I think it's been like pretty useful so yay yay I'm happy about that (laughs) but um yeah That's hopefully a great answer to your question. (laughs) Last bit of questions here is to do with sugaring and the sugar world and sugar babying and that whole world. So we're just going to go ahead and get into it. So what are the pros and cons of sugar daddies? Well, this is a really broad question, but pros and cons, I don't know, like whatever your arrangement is whether it is an allowance whether it's gifts whether it's money whether it's vacations or whether it's the handbag that you've always wanted or like the shoes that you wanted whatever it is you're getting something you know you're getting something for your time and maybe for some services that you provide cons um it can be really mentally exhausting depending on your arrangement you might have to be available more often than not but again that can be negotiated Uh, Maybe you're not going to be attracted to 
your potential sugar daddy as well. Maybe they're far away. Maybe you don't. Maybe you won't be able to see them for a long amount of time because they are really busy or because they are out of the country, as a lot of mine were. <laughs> but um, yeah, those are just some of the pros and cons. And I don't know, just exhausting in terms of filtering through all the scammy, conny people out there. Just going through all the messages honestly is the most exhausting part of it and just trying to decipher who it is that you can trust and like I don't know people that can really help you and really have your best interest in mind and that doesn't happen a lot of the time so again just wanting to be cautious and just being really careful about who you're talking about who you're talking to on the site and whatnot so yeah, those are just a few pros and cons. Very general, though. Um, how to get a sugar mama. I've had a lot of these questions from my guy friends. And I don't know the answer to that. But <laughs> my bad. Because I'm not sure. I don't even know if they have seeking arrangement for sugar mamas. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. I, I can't verify that. I'm not exactly sure. But there must be some kind of website. There's something for everyone out there, guys. In terms of sex work, there's always something for somebody. So maybe there or maybe going to some hotel bar. There's a lot of cougars out there. <laughs> hotel bars are very, very, very fantastic places and venues to meet potential sugar dads and sugar mamas. You're welcome. And airports too. That's right. I met one of mine. <laughs> And uh, lounges, yes. Airport lounges or cool lounges in whatever city you're in. Best thing you have gotten from a sugar daddy without having to give any sugar? Uh, Money. (laughs) Money has been great. A a lot of my relationships were platonic, um, which were great. (laughs) So I got like a lot of money out of that. I don't know. And it's not like a lot. I know like a lot of people like they'll compare monetary gifts and stuff or, or like they'll compare with other people. But I don't know. I had a good experience. I had a good number of sugar daddies in my past and also currently. So I really can't complain. But yeah, I remember like one time it was like a lawyer in Vancouver or well, lawyer in Burnaby actually. And he just wanted to meet twice a month. And he'd go for dinner and then he'd just give me $1,500 every single time he saw me. So it was great. It was good. <laughs> that was fun. I didn't have to do anything. It was wonderful. Um, what's one thing you regretted saying yes to and doing with somebody slash partner slash sugar daddy? Hmm. One thing I regretted. I don't know if there's one thing. There are a few things. Yeah, especially when I started and I didn't know or have a clue in terms of what I was doing and what I was getting myself into and definitely sleeping, definitely like sleeping with some sugar daddies and not exactly getting paid for it was one thing or, you know, like going for a dinner at like a regular place. I don't know. It's different for me because like I chase Michelin stars. So whenever I travel out, <laughs> I will try to chase those stars down. <laughs> They're like really fancy restaurants that are usually like more than $400 <laughs> per person. <laughs> but it's, I don't know, fun. Like to me, I see value in that because I'm a food and wine nerd. So to me, that is cool for dinners and stuff here in Vancouver. It's just like, why? Love the restaurants here, but it's just like, you don't have the same experience, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, just just being really naive when I was younger, when I was on the site, when I first started, 
and um, you know having some things just go to my head and just meeting up with people or just being available at all times even if it's like late at night or something just putting myself into danger or potential danger I guess a little bit maybe I regret a little bit because some really bad things could have happened to me during those times so yeah (laughs) but I am still alive here and I've had great experiences on the site generally speaking so I I'm pretty happy with where I am, so there's not really much I regret except for, yeah, just sleeping with a couple sugar daddies and just being available too much, you know? Best thing you did to a sugar daddy that you laugh to this day and say, can't believe I got paid to do this to you? (laughs) Oh my gosh, there were so many good times, but just a lot of it involved trips because a lot of my sugar daddies were actually American. So a lot of them come up here for business and whatnot, or they'd be like in Seattle or California. A lot of them were in California, especially in San Francisco Bay Area and LA. But, oh God, just a lot of the trips. I remember like one time I got flown out to Connecticut for a weekend and made like $1,600 US for the weekend, plus like some more spending money when I was there too. I can't recall what it was. But um, I just remember talking to this guy and seeking arrangement we like voice chatted on Skype three hours or so prior to me getting on a plane like (laughs) red flag red flag (laughs) but of course my red flag rate didn't really go on when I was younger I was just like ooh, trip for the weekend yay (laughs) it was just so bad like but I had such a good time it was so much fun for me it was wild but I remember yeah, like I was on my way home from work. I was talking to this guy at the end of my work day and I was going home and I went home, quickly packed a bag and like took a taxi to the airport because I was like, whoa, this is really fucking close to my trip. I need to catch this flight like right now. And I remember calling my girlfriend. I was on the Arthur Lang Bridge in my taxi and I was like, uh, Angela, um, going to be in Connecticut for the weekend. I'll be back on Sunday bye and she's like what the fuck (laughs) like I think about it now it's just like wow I could have died at so many points on that trip like he picked me up from Hartford International and then it was like an hour long drive to um what was that resort um it was uh Mohegan Sun it was Mohegan Sun and Lady Gaga was performing there for the, the weekend and I remember just going to like all of Bobby Flay's restaurants when I was there by myself because the guy was gambling the entire time. It was so crazy. He's he's from New York. It was just really weird. But it was fun. I didn't have sex with him at all. I think he just maybe sucked in my tits and I gave him a hand job and that was it. Yeah. (laughs) So that was wild. Oldest and youngest sugar daddy. Oldest when I was younger? God, they... No one was over like 49 I don't think and I was like 24 or 25 and I was really big into it so eh, about like double my age and plus a couple years so but then again I dated a lot of older people all the time so for me age was nothing but a number so yeah uh youngest sugar daddy I I generally have a rule where I don't trust younger sugar daddies 
I just don't believe the money's real and I don't believe they are real. I believe they're trying to date me or trying to do something and it's their intentions are just not there. So the youngest daddy, just a few years older than me. So how old is he now? 34? Yeah, turning 34 this year. So youngest with a three-year age gap. So and that's been fun. Those are usually like my texting daddies where I just text him and we role play and then he sends me money to my, my um via ease transfer and it's been great thanks <laughs> most money you've made in one date or in one vacation i think it was a connecticut one so it's like 1600 us for like a weekend plus what what was the spending money on that trip i can't remember anymore maybe it's around 2000 us i can't remember <laughs> it was so long ago but um yeah and then the Canadian one, yeah, I guess 1500 for the one date. It was a dinner. It was great. And those are platonic. Nothing sexual happened except for that one in Connecticut where he like played or sucked on my tit and I gave him a hand job. But that was the extent of, of the sexualness of it, of the sexual nature of it. But it had a lot of vacations out of my sugar daddies, which has been great. Um, anything I'm getting really thirsty this is a lot of talking good god I've been talking for almost an hour and a half kill me now <laughs> gotta, edit, gotta edit this episode down anything that you wish to do but haven't done yet in terms of sex work or in terms of sugaring well my Italian sugar daddy that I met when I was in Italy in January that I had a wonderful Michelin three course Michelin star or three course no it was like 15 something courses for, for lunchtime over four hours there's the last one in the restaurant we've been in touch and he's wanting to buy me out and I've never been this in this situation before in terms of like a sugar daddy situation so I'm just in the midst of kind of quantifying to see how much that would cost him because I would have to rent out my place or like you know pay for my mortgage, pay for my bills, pay for hydro, pay for everything, internet, everything while I'm gone. So that's why I'm like, okay, well, maybe we'll try it for a month and I'll see how that is. But it's going to have to be pretty pricey. Like it's going to have to be at least like 5,000 euros at least. So I'm just not sure if I'm going to do it yet. But I am definitely wanting to because I have not done that yet. And I would love to be back in Italy. And he has an apartment for me and everything, which I was visited last time when I was there so yes it's definitely on my bucket list of things to do in terms of sugaring so um in terms of other sex work more BDSM I did have another sugar daddy based out in San Francisco who's reached out to me and now I'm in touch with this sub and we've had some fun together and I would love to do more BDSM work and not just not just in a sugar relationship but just in general but it's just so hard to get into the community here. Um, I would really want to go more into that niche just because it's something that's intrigued me for quite some time. But I've been in like the swinger community events before and like parties and sex parties and stuff like that too. I just haven't had a lot of fun. Um, it was kind of fun initially, but then there's just a lot of people that are just like really into it. And... I'm not super into it, you know, like it's just like those type of people that are just like super over enthusiastic that it almost like ruins it for me that I'd rather just not engage with anyone and just keep to myself and I just get really shy. So 
yeah, there's some things I would want to do or play around with more and stuff. And yeah, but I've done, I've done a lot. So I don't know. Try everything once, right? <laughs> and uh, I guess what do you think is the best way to get into sugaring? I guess we kind of went over this earlier, but seeking arrangements would be great. There's a lot of people on Instagram that like slide into your DMs, but like they're all fake guys. They're all fake. I don't, I don't think I've really had any real ones in terms of sugaring i've had a lot of good feet slaves on there and like new fans that would want custom videos and stuff like those are legit but all the sugar daddy ones have been fake so far so yeah seeking arrangement has been fruitful for me a lot of people are using tinder and stuff now too as well as the dating apps like bumble and hinge or whatever you guys use nowadays i don't use apps they're awful but i'm not sure if i've like i tried it but I was not successful so if you have found a sugar daddy and were successful please let me know so I can chat with you because that would be super interesting just wanting to see how that works and a couple random questions how's quarantine life and how are you doing thanks for checking in guys um I'm doing okay I'm just keeping really busy I'm working on a lot of projects so kind of wrapping up this podcast at least season one right now kind of prepping and looking on ways to improve for season two already kind of curating a list of guests and we'll have to reschedule all the guests I already had to schedule before pre-quarantine but uh yeah I started a YouTube channel so that's been keeping me really busy see a slurps <laughs> on YouTube I make like noodle videos and ramen reviews because I'm a nerd like that and I'm revamping my website right now I'm almost done but it's just so much work I also feel like I'm almost done and there's like a mountain of things left for me to do so that's that and um cooking a lot I'm trying to keep in shape it's really really difficult to do that and I'm trying to make my house a bit more hospitable and warm since I'm spending so much time at home so yeah but I do miss being behind the mic with a person I don't like talking about myself and I cannot believe that I've been talking by myself for like an hour and a half. It's like blowing my mind and I'm sorry. This is the longest episode ever, but there was a lot of stuff to cover and I hope it just flowed in a nice way and it wasn't too all over the place. I did write a lot of notes for this episode just to keep me on track and that I wouldn't miss anything. But yeah, that's it for my AMA. So I... I'm so thankful for all you guys that have listened to the show. Thank you so much. And I hope I was able to connect with you in some way and educate you on some topic that you were perhaps unfamiliar with before and, you know, helping to destigmatize this industry one listen at a time. So thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode. I hope to connect you connect with you guys again for season two. I'm not sure when that will be, but when things kind of loosen up in Vancouver, I will definitely be doing uh, more interviews for sure. I, I hear that the regulations in British Columbia are going to be lifted sometime this month, which is exciting. So um, we're just going to have to stay tuned and do our part in washing our hands and practice social distancing and whatnot. Also, announcement, forgot, I will be speaking. If you are a student at Florida State University, I will be speaking and guest lecturing in one of your classes on June 15th. It's a class on sex workers, basically, and, and social workers and dealing with, with those kinds of clients. So 
dealing with this kind of work and Alicia who's a, a listener of the show thank you so much for contacting me and it's such an honor to be speaking to your class it's a nice college level class with hopefully some really open-minded individuals on this topic I'm really excited to share my knowledge and my experience with all y'all so if you guys are attending Florida State University come join me on June 15th I mean obviously you have to be signed up for the class but I will be joining in via zoom and if you have any questions let me know so that's in a month and a half's time from now and that is pretty much it for the episode that's like a lot of rambling on but hopefully if you're still listening god I applaud you I hope my voice isn't too annoying for you but thank you so much for listening thank you for supporting season one of Strip by Sia and maybe just maybe there'll be more bonus episodes in the future but stay tuned guys um and we'll be back with season two at some point later this year anyways i need a glass of water i will talk to you guys real soon peace you're listening to skips by sia produced and hosted by steph